I do have pages of notes, not because I have a ton to say, but because I have to have it in big print now so that I can see, see what I'm doing. I almost tried to pull a late April Fool's uh, joke and have somebody else come instead of me today, um, since it is the second. But the only one who was uh, willing to agree to that was one of my brothers, and I didn't want him up here because he would exaggerate and make up stories that I'm sure are not true. Uh, seriously, though, I, I do struggle with my testimony. I know everyone's story is different, and the Lord doesn't use the same method with each person in getting their attention. But I get a little envious of other people's situations when I hear their stories. Uh, not so much as where they started, but their reactions. Um, you know, as soon as they accepted Christ as their Savior, they have that insatiable hunger for His Word. And they were told that they needed to have daily devotion, and they immediately have the discipline to do that at, oh, dark 30 in the morning. Um, or they surround themselves with wise fellow believers who can help them grow in their faith, or more importantly, help them grow in their personal relationship with Christ. Mine is not that. Mine is uh, more of the gradual, floundering uh, reaction over the years. I am the youngest of five children. I often reminded my mother she saved the best for last. Um, did I mention that I'm the youngest by a lot of years? Uh, my closest brother is 10 years older than I am. Oh, did I mention I'm the only girl? Um, yes, my brothers are all two years apart, and then 10 years later I showed up. I wasn't a surprise, right? Um, yes, I am spoiled. Yes, I can hold my own in pranks and teasing. Yes, my brothers and their wives have had a significant impact on my life, and they continue to have a significant impact. And even though we are quite diverse when it comes to faith and politics, we are quite close. I did grow up in a home with Christian values. My parents made sure we all attended a Sunday school at the closest Protestant church to where they lived. But for them, for each of their own reasons, they would not do church. As uh, with a lot of many homes in my generation, works was greatly touted as the way to be there. And the idea of the personal relationship with Christ was a byproduct of your good deeds and not something that you were seeking. My mother would occasionally talk about how one could feel the presence of the Lord, but she never really expounded on how to seek him out. I, however, would feel the presence of the Lord at the age of 11. My father had been in Indianapolis for a two-week course on real estate. He had taken an extra week to stop in his hometown in southern Illinois to visit his mother. While in Indiana, he caught a cold. His rheumatoid arthritis had really flared up, and his kidneys were struggling with the cortisone he took to combat the arthritis. He got home on a Monday night, was in the hospital on Wednesday morning, and he died the following Saturday. That rocked my world. I was a daddy's girl. And I told the Lord I was confused. In that very private time with the Lord, however, I felt the comfort and peace that only he could provide. I knew I was going to be all right. I knew my heavenly father wasn't going to be there with me. But I knew I had a heavenly father that would be. 
and that he would continue to hear me out. Now, after that, I have to admit, I did not have the hunger for the word. All right? I did not, you know, uh, have the discipline to seek him out in a deep and meaningful way. What I did start was a friendship. I started my one-sided conversations with him. I talked to him daily and told him everything about the day, as though he didn't already know. I um, had not made any commitments. I didn't talk about my sins. I didn't even think about the sacrifice that he made for me. I did continue to go to Sunday school. My mom was more open about her beliefs. Um, and because she loved Billy Graham, and he was now on TV here and there, um, I would end up hearing Billy Graham preach the gospel. Now, I don't remember the date. I only remember it was the summer between my 7th and 8th grade year. I was home alone one evening. My mother was working, and my brother, who was still at, living at home, was out doing whatever he was doing. And uh, Billy Graham was on. I was watching it on my own. Well, the truth is there we had three stations, all right? One was a sci-fi, one was the news, and the other one was Billy Graham. So I chose Billy Graham. But the bottom line, at the end, I finally told the Lord I wanted him in my heart and I in my life. I asked him to forgive me for my sins. When my mom got home, I told her, and she was thrilled. But not a lot changed. I still did not read my Bible every day. I still did not do memorize scripture, I, but I did talk to God as though we were chums. Now, I really never did any what you would call bad things according to the world, all right? In fact, I was considered a goody two-shoes in school, and I followed all of the rules at school, and I followed most of the rules at home, and, you know, everything was going fine. At the beginning of my senior year of high school, I was pretty set on attending Montana State University in Bozeman. I had some friends already here, and, and um, that would fall in line with the conservative path that my high school counselor had you know, mapped out for me. And in October, I came over to Bozeman to visit one of my friends and further check, check things out. It was a fun visit. We had a good time, but something wasn't right. And I went home knowing that I did not want to go to Montana State. Now, I didn't know anything about the big rivalry between the University of Montana and Montana State University. I, football was not on my radar at that point. Only professional football counted then, all right? And I didn't pay attention to the, a lot of the other stuff. Um, I don't know if it was because at that time, Bozeman was just a little bit bigger than Dillon, which was where I grew up. And there was still cows and cowboys and agriculture and all of that. And I wanted to get away. I'm not, I could never put my finger on it. But that spring, I chose to go to U of M in Missoula instead. Now, my brother Mike had gone there. And, um, and I had been in Missoula a number of times. And, that, but, and it just felt right going there. I had a great four years there. I really did. Um, again, I wasn't doing super bad things in the terms of the world. I mean, yes, I did go out dancing. And yes, I did go into the bars because I legally could. And then I would drive people home who couldn't drive home because I went in there for, oh, yeah, that's right, the dancing. And, that, and I loved to do all of that. Um, and then I would go to a 
church on Sunday, and I met up with some other fellow Christians and, and made a kind of a recommitment there. But, you know, and then I got involved in Bible study and that, but, you know, but then the dance floor would call out and I would be back dancing on the weekend. Um, I didn't, wasn't really that interested in alcohol. However, I remember having the challenge, oh, beer will grow on you. You just have to acquire a taste. They told me that about coffee. I don't drink either one still to this day. I, I just, just not there for me. But I did like to, to go dancing. After graduation, I interviewed and took a high school teaching job in Inverness, Montana, 45 miles west of Haver, 14 miles east of uh, Chester. Uh, it's a small farming community. The interview took place on the U of M campus. So I signed the contract without ever seeing the community. All right. Oh, the Lord and I had quite a conversation on my drive up there. There is a cut across. Once you get past Great Falls, first off, when you get past Great Falls, you don't ever see a mountain again. No one had told me that. And then uh, as I, there's a cut across right at Fort Benton that goes up to Chester. It's 55 miles. And now I have grown up in Dillon. Dillon is a rural community. Dillon is a ranching community. It is agriculture. There are more cows than people. All right, so I thought I was going to be okay. Uh, I got the, this cut across in the 55 miles. I did not see one car. In the 55 miles, I did not see a house. In the 55 miles, I did not see a cow. I mean, at least in Dilly, you would see a cow. And um, I, you know, made it up there and thought, oh, Lord, what did I do? But I had signed this contract, and so I was there. The good news is I met my husband there, all right? He was already teaching there. And funny thing, he had actually student taught at my high school when I was a sophomore, but he student taught in boys' PE, so I only knew of him but didn't know him. Um, anyway, of a whirlwind romance of about three weeks, we were engaged and married six months later. My family was concerned about this divorced father of two who was eight years older than I was. But once they met him, they loved him. And um, we will be married 36 years on April 21st of this year. So, thank you. I should interject here that I did not know that believers were not supposed to marry non-believers. No one had ever said that. And because none of the Bible studies that I had ever been in had talked about unequally yoked, you know. So, there we were. Um, you know, and again, once again, I had grown some in my faith in college, but I was easily distracted, and my husband was a distraction. And sometimes he still is. Um, <laughs> however, I was still talking to God every day, talking, not seeking. We went through some financial and professional struggles as a married couple. The school we were teaching at consolidated with another one, and we found ourselves both unemployed. We landed back in Dillon, where my husband worked on his advanced degree, and I worked at Western Montana College. He was able to finally land a teaching job in Frenchtown, Montana, which took us back to Missoula, 15, um, Frenchtown's 15 miles west of Missoula. It was there that our, um, we began to earnestly seek Christ. It was very slow at first, but it happened nonetheless. We both wanted our children to have a solid foundation of faith, much more than either of us had ever been raised with. 
So we had started to attend a Presbyterian church just a few months after our oldest daughter, Heidi, was born while we were still in Dillon. My husband knew that in order for a good foundation, he needed to be going to church and not just dropping the kids off or letting me take them. Um, So after we moved to Missoula, we became involved in the Presbyterian church there. I made a recommitment during that time through some other Bible studies and that. I was baptized. I began to read my Bible. I began to seek and talk. I began to pray for my husband. I began to pray for my children and for my other family members. A few years after our second daughter was born, my husband heard the gospel at a non-denominational church service, and he went forward at that altar call. We had spent the last year, year and a half, with some friends who were going through a really rough time. She had been diagnosed with a brain tumor, had to have surgeries, and we got to watch the miracle of the Lord curing her. She is still alive today. We saw her just a couple of months ago. But he used all of that to draw us to him, to draw, to draw my husband to him. We were told at the day that he, when he made that commitment that we needed to be in a church that was preaching from the word, not just doing a scripture reading. And so we began attending Frenchtown Community Bible Church. And then we later became members at Lone Rock Bible Church. But the distance from Missoula to Stevensville, which was about 30 miles for us, became, became an issue. And so then we sought out a church in Missoula, and we were part of Meadowview Bible Church in Missoula. Um, I watched my husband go from an unbeliever to a wonderful spiritually leading husband. So it was awesome during this time. 1993, I went to fill in for a woman at the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission. She was going to be gone for a couple of months in Chicago, and I went in to do their receding and do some of their other bookkeeping chores. This temporary part-time worked into a full-time 17-year gig, and that's where I met Jim Carlson. And uh, he has plenty of stories, and I'm not going to expound any further on that. Um, and how I got from Rocky Mountain Bible Mission to Montana Bible College is a time for a different chapel. But we do know that it was the first time that I had actually sought the Lord's wisdom in a move. It was the first time we had said, oh, maybe we could do this, and it wasn't of our own accord, and we did arrive here. I do still talk to God. I talk to him constantly in the car, walking down the hallway. So when you see and you think that I'm talking to myself, sometimes I am, but most of the time it's to him. And uh, I thank him for all of the things that I have in my life. He has richly, richly blessed us. He has been gracious to us beyond all um, that I can ever imagine. And I have a lot of verses now. I Still not, I'm not good at memorizing anymore. I think the older you get, the harder it is to memorize things compared to when you were younger. So I have to write a lot of them on the cards. And, um, but one of the, the verses that I've been looking at lately comes from Luke. It's in uh, Luke 10. It's verses 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I used to read that. I used to think of snatching. I used to just think of Satan. And while he is, of course, still a player in the field out here, I also realize that sometimes distractions and other things can get in the way. And yet I look back at my life, and while not perfect, and while many years not following Christ and not seeking his wisdom as I should have been, I still was not snatched out of his hands from that first time when he consoled me when I was 11 years old. And I thank him for that. And that was probably the greatest blessing. And so you can see, I'm, I don't have that overly exciting story that everyone else has. And, uh, and you can kind of see now where I might be a little envious of those who can still get up at a dark 30 and do their devotions. I, I still can't do that. I'm still not that morning person. So I'm still doing mine at night uh, because that's when I, when I can be there. But I do talk to the Lord, and I just encourage all of you to maintain your personal relationship with him at all times, at all costs. Thank you.